Amen. Thank you very much, Ruth. If you have your Bible tonight, we're turning to the book of Psalms and Psalm number 51, please. Psalm, Psalm number 51. Well-known Psalm. And even after hearing that last piece, we have almost heard enough tonight. But let us turn together to the Word of the Lord as we draw it. Another Lord's Day to an end. Psalm 51, please, and commencing to read at verse 1. Psalm 51, and commencing to read, please, at verse number 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part. And in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit, then, and only then. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. O oh, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh, God, thou wilt not despise. Father, we bow before thee again, and we come to thy word, Lord. And our simple prayer would be in these moments that we have together, Lord, that you would hallow them. Lord, that you would come and communicate your truth to our heart. We pray tonight, Lord, for divine dealings. We pray tonight in Jesus' name that thou would move, Lord. Speak to every heart. I pray for your help tonight, Lord. Pray that thou will come, Lord, and carry and fill, anoint and enable. We ask it in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. David, this young man of God that we are all very familiar with, was the young man that the Lord mightily blessed again and again and again. If you ever get time to study his life, you'll be able to study things concerning his family. He was the young boy that his father forgot about whenever Samuel was coming to anoint the second king of Israel. Jesse left him in the hillside of Judea with his sheep. His family despised him whenever he went down into the valley of Elah, and his, his brothers even mocked him and derided him. 
You could think about David's foes. As a young man and as a young stripling, he was out in the hills of Judea, minding his father's sheep. And as he rehearsed that incident to Saul many years later, he said, The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He was hunted like a partridge across the hills by Saul himself. Then, of course, there's the fears that David had. And one of the outstanding fears that this man had was the fear of dying. He said, there is but a step between me and death. But it's not his family that I'm after tonight. Nor his fears or even his foes. I want you to think with me in the moments that we have together about his failure. Because this young man that rose to the pinnacle of society, the man that preached, he prophesied, he penned the Psalms, he done wonderful works, he brought the ark back and built the tabernacle for it. He had the wonderful victories there, you read about them in Second Samuel 9 and 10. Victory after victory. And I want you to fast forward for a moment tonight as we would see him minding his father's sheep and come away past that and many years have passed and my, we would enter into the very throne room of the palace that is in Jerusalem. And as we would see the servants that are here and the maids that are there and all of the gold and all of the beauty, my, we would gaze on the throne and we would see a man there, a man by the name of David. And as he is sitting on the throne, he goes to his office throne and he goes over to his couch. It's maybe in the early afternoon and he, he lies down. The Bible says it was a time when kings went forth to battle and David lay in his bed to the eventide. And he dies on his bed and he, he maybe is thinking about many things. He's been thinking about the victories, thinking about blessings, thinking about times when God intervened in his life. And as he rises from his couch, he makes his way over to the other side of the room. And I'm sure there were velvet curtains. My, they were woven with the best of Best of linen, and I can see him in the eventide as the sun starts to drop in the western sky. He peels back the curtains and he stands on the balcony of the palace. And he looks on the hills of Judea, the hills that he often minded the sheep. He looks and he sees, my, the tabernacle there that he erected, and there the ark of the covenant is dwelling. He scans a hill, my, even of Moriah, where Abraham offered Isaac. And he scans the scenery, my, of Jerusalem, and then he stops. His eyes, they fall upon a scene that arrested him. His eyes fall, the Bible says, that he saw a woman. Does he look he starts to long, and then he starts to lust. And by the little clock is starting to tick, and here David, he looked at her, he longed after her, he lusted upon her, he lay with her, and then he lied about her. 
and David there the deed is done. And now the Bible says the thing that David did displeased the Lord. And here the sin was progressing in David's life. That's what sin does. It's always progressive. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you're worse tonight than you were this time last week. If you're here tonight and you're backslidden, let me tell you this, you're farther from God tonight than you were this time last week. Sin always degenerates. That's why it's described like leprosy. Starts small and then moves to the extremities. Touches every area of the body. My, it always gets worse and worse and worse. As David looked, something happened. An alarm bell started to ring. He started to look at this woman who was bathing herself on the rooftop. And I don't think David was all to blame, you know. I think she knew about this. But as David latched on to this woman and my, in the cool of the day, there was a little alarm bell that started to ring and there were some things that David started to do. He started to silence the voice of his conscience. David, you shouldn't be looking at that. David, you've looked too long now. And David, I'm, trying, I'm sure he tried to justify it. It'll be all right. I'll be able to handle this thing. Maybe there's a believer here tonight and I would feel that there is. And you've looked too long, sir. And you thought that you could handle it. But it's got out of control. And the alarm bell was ringing in David's mind. I can tell you that's what happened to Samson. He played with the fire and it burnt him. I think maybe even about Judas, whenever he stole the first piece of money, it maybe convicted him. But after a while, the conscience was silent. The conscience was seared. No fear of God now. Not at all. And here this man on the, on the throne and in the palace, he silences the conscience and he deceives his own heart. Oh, sure, it's not that bad. Sure, many a man has done that. Sure, no one will know anything about it. There's no one else here and I can look and I can long and I can lust. And everything will be all right. Oh, my dear people, it was a secret to David, but it wasn't a secret to God. No, no. He not only silenced his conscience and he not only deceived his heart, he covered his sin. He killed Uriah. He tried to cover the whole thing over. And just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, whenever they took of the forbidden fruit, they went and they made fig leaves and hid among the trees of the garden. And like Moses, whenever he killed the Egyptian, he looked this way and he looked that way, but he didn't look upward. And there he buried him in the sand, but God saw it, no one else saw it. My dear people here tonight, I wonder, is there individuals here, whether you're saved or whether you're not, I'm not going to put you into that category tonight. 
And there's sin that has started to lay hold of your life. And just like the tentacles of the world, my, it starts to get a grip of your life. It starts to lay hold upon you like the ivy around a tree. Starts so small and insignificant. But over the years, my, the ivy will go through the boughs of the tree, over the branches, and that mighty oak that stood for many centuries will be smothered by a little piece of ivy. And now here, uh, David on the throne, he, he silences his conscience, he deceives his heart, he covers his sin, and then he goes back and he sits on the throne. Covered the whole thing up. Ah, I've got away with it, you know. No one even suspected me. No one even thought that that's what I did. God knew. Sir, let me tell you this tonight. God saw it. God saw it. David's on the throne 13 months have passed. No psalms. No songs. No signs from heaven. Just on the throne dictating the nation. He hadn't heard the voice of God for 13 long months. And suddenly there's a man by the name of Nathan. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 1, And the Lord said unto Nathan, And while David didn't think anyone else knew, God knew, and God had his man. David's on the throne. And Nathan comes baptized with power, with a word from God. And he puts his prophetic hand upon the handle of the throne room, my end of David's palace, and he opens the handle of the door, and I think he hit the door against the wall with a bang. I think he did that. David. David saw this man with resolute in his heart, my coming towards him. He didn't pay any reverence to him that day. He didn't bow his head. He didn't say anything to the servants. He walks, my, as a beeline up to the throne. And he starts to talk to David. He says, sir, there's two men. There was one man, and he was a rich man. He had exceeding great flocks of sheep. And then there was another little man in the town, and he had only one lamb. It ate of his meat, it slept in his bosom, it drank of his cup, and it was unto him as a daughter. And one day the rich man had a visitor, and the visitor came, and the rich man, instead of taking a, a lamb from his flocks, my, he went down to the, the poor man's house and took the little pet lamb, and he slit its throat, and there he dressed it. And he fed it to his visitor, and David started to rise. He, he started to boil with, within, and he, he said, The man that has done this thing shall surely die. Nathan got his finger, and he said, You're the man. You're the man. You're the man. And here, David, on the throne, I can tell you, oh, 13 years of covering over, was it any but wonder? His son went on to pen, he that covereth his sin shall not, shall not prosper. Oh, I can tell you. Just look for a moment as we close to verse 3. 
There's a conviction that this man felt because whenever, whenever Nathan came to David, my, he said, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Oh, I think every time David went and he looked at those curtains on the balcony, I think it reminded him, I think it haunted him of the day that he went through them. I think every time he stood in the balcony of his palace and he looked out over the hills and over the rooftops of Jerusalem, I think it haunted him, my sin is ever before me. I think every time he saw a soldier, it haunted him about Uriah. I think every time he walked through the streets of Jerusalem and he heard the cry of a babe, I think it convicted him. My sin is ever before me. Oh, I can tell you in Psalm 6, he says, I am weary, I'm weary of my crying. Would to God we would see conviction like that. Would to God men and women would say, I don't really need another sermon. I don't really need another gospel track. My sin is ever before me. I can't get away. Oh, the reality of it is ever in my heart. Oh, that's why David said in verse 11, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You remember the Holy Spirit withdrew from Saul. Saul never heard the voice of God anymore. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved, I know it's not a nice thing to be under conviction, but oh, would to God you would yield lest the holy dove of heaven would take his flight away and you don't be disturbed about your sin any longer. Oh, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And what he's praying is, Lord, keep the pressure on me until I yield. Keep the pressure on me, Lord, until I bend. Keep the pressure on me, Lord, in this area until I can take no more. Oh, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. There's not only the conviction this man felt, there's a confession that this man made. Verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Thirty times in this psalm, David uses the words I and me. My, David's not worried about the nation now. David's not worried about the battlefield now. David's not worried about anyone else now. David is just alone with God. And where David had all of the victories on the battlefield, he failed on the bed. You know, there's many of God's people fail on the bed. That's where he fell. Oh, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before thee. Verse 4, he says against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in my sight. There was a confession. And my dear unsaved tonight, let me tell you this. You'll need to confess. It's not enough to have conviction. Many a man feels the weight of what he's done. There's many an individual around the world tonight and they feel the guilt and the shame of their life and so they come to the place of suicide and they feel that it's the only way out and they feel the weight of their sin. But oh, my people, it's not enough to have conviction. You need to have confession. You need to come out into the open and hear David. Oh, I think he came off his throne. 
I think he slipped off his throne, my, and he fell beside the man of God. He wasn't worried if his servants seen him. He wasn't worried if anyone else heard him. And he gets down and he puts his head between his knees and he said, Oh, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil. Oh, in thy sight. There's not only the conviction that he felt and the confession that he made, there was the cleansing that he sought. Oh, verse 2, look at it, verse 2, wash me, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 6, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part. Wash me, Lord. Wash me, Lord, I'm not clean. Wash me, Lord, I'm defiled in your presence and my dear unsaved tonight, let me tell you. You don't need me to say to you this evening, my, in relation to a holy God with all of your sin behind you, you stand condemned before him as unclean. Religion will not wash away your sin, sir. Being a good man or woman will not do that. But I don't want to talk to the unsaved as I close tonight. I want to talk to God's people tonight. Wash me, oh, truly. That's on the outward. James said, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. That's outward. But purify your heart. That's inward. Oh, he said, take the hyssop. The hyssop was used. You remember in Exodus 12, my, it was always there with the blood. Take the hyssop, Lord. Oh, I not only need an exterior. Lord, cleanse me, purge me, wash me, and I shall be as white as snow. It doesn't say that. It says, I will be whiter than the snow. Inside every little flake of snow that tell me up in the atmosphere there when the clouds are condensing, there's one little green, my minute though it may be, a little speck of dust and the, the water will condense around it and it'll start to fall as snow. And inside every snowflake so unique, every one of them's different, there is one little piece and particle of dirt. And that's why he said, Oh, thou desirest truth. In the inward part. Can you have your sins forgiven and a home in heaven and not have a clean heart? Absolutely. And that's why he said, Lord, you're the one that created the heavens. You're the one that created the earth. You're the one that created the stars. You, you placed them in their sockets. You created the sun, my, that warms us by day. You created the moon that guides us by night. You created all of the wonderful facets of creation. But Lord, would you create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, oh, my dear people. The greatest need today among the people of God is not just that we would have clean hands, but we would have a pure heart. That's it. Because he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, he and he alone shall ascend the hill of the Lord. And you can't get clean hands and a pure heart no matter how much you try yourself. It's only God that can create a clean heart. 
I read a book recently in a man in America. And in the middle of the drought in 1920, he had a farm, and on the farm there was a well, and it never, it never ran dry. But the problem with the well is they couldn't drink the water because the water was sour, it was bitter. The cows wouldn't drink it, the horses wouldn't drink it, the sheep wouldn't drink it, they wouldn't drink it. And he had to go miles in a horse and cart with bars to get another, another well where they could draw the water. And one day he threw the head up and he says, this thing's not right. There's water here, but it's of no use. There must be an issue. Did you ever come to that place in your Christian life? There must be an issue. And what they did was they lifted the lid of the well and they went down and they drew the buckets and got all the water up and went down into the clay. And he said, my, as he put his hand down into the mire and down into the clay, he, he pulled up a little corpse of a little rabbit that had got in under the cover of the well and it fell down and death went down and it was decomposing. And down in the very bottom of the well, there was something that was stagnating the blessing of God and they couldn't use it. And he says, it wasn't until we drew up that which was unclean that the water was well worth drinking. And you know, my dear people, tonight you may not like me after this message. But that doesn't take any skin off my teeth. But you could have everything all right on the outside, sir. But have something down deep in the well that's making the water better. Down deep in the well, my, down there, down in the issues of the heart. My, there's things that are not right and there's something that rises and there's a venom that comes and there's a pride and there's a haughtiness. Oh, my dear people, and you say to me tonight, oh, but Stephen, that's the way I'll always be to the day of the day. Not a bit of you. Not a bit of you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses thee, to from all of her sin. Not just from the past, but he can go down deep into the root, down into the well. Oh, my dear people, that's it tonight. That's the need of the hour. Create in me, oh God, a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Oh, David, he was looking to be clean. David's problem didn't start in his eyes. David's problem started 18 inches below his eye. David's problem was in his heart. And he knew it. And I wonder for many years was he suppressing this thing? And my, was he holding it down? And then there came the moment of weakness and he was tired. And my, the thing just rose up within him. And he yielded and he complied. And that's why he said, Lord, it's not my eyes I'm asking you to touch. It's my heart. It's my heart. My dear people, let me say this to you tonight. I have a conviction in my heart, with all of my heart, that God can deal with every sin in the heart, whether it's gossip, whether it's pride, whether it's an attitude to cut someone else down, whether it's some area of the life when others are exalted and you and I are ignored. John the Baptist came and he says it's time to lay the root or the axe to the root of the tree. Stop snipping at the fruit and start cutting at the root. Go to the root. Create in me a clean heart, O God, 
and renew your right spirit within me. Oh, that's what Titus said whenever Paul was penning to him. He said he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The Lord said, blessed are the pure, the pure in heart, for they shall see, they shall see God. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you have a pure heart? A clean heart? That everything in the inside is on God's side? That you and I will be able to say like Paul, this one thing I do, I press toward the mark. There's not only the conviction this man felt and the confession that this man made, and there's not only, oh, the, the cleansing that he sought, there was the cry that he offered. Look at verse 10. He said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew. Renew a right spirit within me. He had the wrong spirit. There was an issue, and he knew. You know, there's many years when David had the right spirit. He had the right spirit, I can tell you. Whenever he went into the cave and Saul was there, and Saul was his enemy. And Saul was going to kill him. And David was in the side of the cave. And David's two top men said, David, nail him. You pin him. God has delivered him into your hand. Take the opportunity. And my David said, God forbid that I should touch the Lord's anointed. And you know what happened to David? He had the right spirit. He wasn't going to cut another man down. Oh, my dear people. You talk about saving souls. Talk about getting people saved. If you and I were right in the right heart, right heart. He not only said renew, look at verse 12, he said restore. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, I've lost ground. I've lost ground. I have no desire to pray anymore. I have no real desire for the word anymore, Lord. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know, I do love coming to the house of God. I can say that with all of my heart. Love coming through those doors and seeing the people of God, even that are here tonight. But I wonder, is there someone, and you would say, Lord, I've lost ground. Lost ground in prayer. Lost ground in my experience with God. Lord, not only renew, but restore. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I tell you, you know what David did as we close? He got his eyes off himself. Thirty times he talked about me and my. In verse 1, he talks about thy loving kindness. In verse 1, he talks about thy tender mercy. In verse 12, he talks about thy salvation. Verse 14, thy righteousness. Verse 18, thy good pleasure. And he gets his eyes off all that he has been and he swings around and he says, Lord, you're bigger than all of that. You're able to deal with that, Lord. And I come to you tonight and I feel the weight of my sin. But oh, Lord, I don't want to be the same man that I've been for 13 long months. I want you to do a work on the inside, Lord. A work that will work to the outside. A work, Lord, that will be thorough. You know, it's interesting that you never read of David committing adultery again. You know what happened? God went to the root. God dealt with the source. 
And as her sister was singing tonight, she said, there is a river. Oh, and then she said, there is a spring that cleanses from all sin. Where God not only deals with the past, my dear people, and he not only, as it were, gets your name in the register of heaven, but he can make you clean now. He can make you holy now. He can take away your temper now, sir. He can take away my every bit of venom that would rise, every doubt in your heart, thing that would make you prone to wonder, things that would pull you away, that would divide you from devotion and adoration and worship from God. And my, you can say, Lord, you've done something in the heart. And I've never been the same again. Create. Create in me a clean heart. And renew Lord, a right spirit within me. Now, let me ask you this as we close. Have you got a clean heart? Do you know that it's clean? David knew that it was clean after he got it. Oh, my dear people, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Whenever I was in England... There was a young man from Australia that was there. And he came to me after the meeting and he said, Stephen, oh, I've been saved for a number of years, but there's something that is lacking in my life. I feel, my, that there's something that rises again and again. I try to hold it down. I try to suppress it. I try to overcome it. But, my, in the moment of weakness, it just bursts out of the cage. I can't restrain it. And I brought him to Psalm 51, and I said to young Elijah, I said, Elijah, you know what David had? He needed an issue in the heart, and God touched him, and he, he, he transformed him. And I went down into the little prayer meeting room that night about one o'clock. I went to the bathroom and got a glass of water. And you know, Elijah, he was down on his knees and he says, Lord, <laughs> I can hear him yet. Lord, will you go to the root of my heart? Will you cleanse, Lord, the source of the fountain that the waters may flow again? Lord, will you create in me a clean heart and renew in me your right spirit? And whenever I was at the breakfast table the next day, there was a lot of people there. But you know, whenever Elijah opened the door, my, it was one, like one of those lights he was reading. He came over to me. You know what he said? He says, God met me last night. God met me. My dear people, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. It's wonderful to have your name in heaven. But I tell you, we preach it. Would to God we believed it. That he not only delivers from the penalty, he delivers from the power and he can deliver from the presence. Let us pray. Amen. 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 Father, we just bow before thee tonight. And Father, we would say to our own hearts as we think of David, take heed. Oh, if any man think he standeth, take heed lest he fall. And Father, yet you've instructed us from your word and we thank you for your mercy and we thank you for your grace that even whenever David fell and he slipped and he failed, oh, you took him again and you restored unto him the joy of thy salvation. You renewed him again and Lord, our prayer would be over this people tonight, oh God, if there's those that need to be restored, if there's those that need to be renewed, if there's those that need to be refreshed, 
We pray tonight as our sisters sang, Oh, there is a river. Oh, we pray tonight that individuals will draw and drink and be refreshed. Lord, that you would not only cleanse us on the inside and then work on to the outside, that every one of us, Lord, would be a fit dwelling place for the Spirit of God. Lord, that is our desire, that you would make us a clean people, clean, Lord, in every area of our life. And Father, we thank thee tonight, oh, for the one, the one that created so much that we see around us can create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Part us now with thy fear and with thy blessing. We ask it in the Saviour's precious, oh, unworthy name.